It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host and credentialed media member, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That is at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Follow the show on Twitter at LOTHUNDERPOD. Email the show, LOTHUNDERPOD at gmail.com. Call into the show, 405-362-7128. On today's show, we're going to talk about the transaction window opening around the NBA, the rumors around James Harden, Stephen Adams, and many more, and we'll talk about why the Bulls could be an option for Ricky Rubio, as well as the Thunder releasing New Jersey's, my top 60 NBA draft big board, and our final peak around national mock drafts ahead of Wednesday's draft, seeing where they have the Thunder and who they have the Thunder selecting. This is Locked on Thunder, your only daily podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder, and we jump right in with the fact of James Harden and the rumors around James Harden being that he wants to get out of Houston and he wants to be a member of the Brooklyn Nets. If you're here for Chris Paul trade breakdown, you can go back and listen to yesterday's podcast where we had an emergency episode. So you got two podcasts in one day on Monday and where I broke down that entire trade. Literally every single piece of that trade is broken down. Uh, a short synopsis is I love the trade, but go find out why on yesterday's show. So let's dive right into this James Harden news. And so the gist of this is that James Harden can see the writing on the wall. You can see Daryl Morey is gone. Mike D'Antoni is gone. Uh, the direction has shifted in Houston. The owner uh, does not want to spend money, uh, does not want to improve the team. And they're really locked into a, a roster that's not good enough. It's just not. So he's had talks and workouts with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant has done some great recruiting to get him to want to play in Brooklyn and want to reunite with Kevin Durant. And I think that, you know, he also was, he also said that the Sixers are on his wish list as well. So uh, the bottom line is, will this trade happen or not? That's what we all want to know. And the Rockets continue to pedal out there that they are not going to trade James Harden. They, in fact, still want to run it back with Russell Westbrook, who has already officially uh, demanded a trade, and James Harden, who has done everything but officially demand a trade. And I find the reporting around this situation to be interesting because no one will outright say that Harden wants out, but if he doesn't want out, why is Woj every three hours saying, well, you know, Harden is looking at the Nets and he really wants to be a Net and he's made it clear to the Rockets that he wants a pathway to the Nets. He's made it clear to the Rockets that he wants to be in Brooklyn. Okay, then just say that he has demanded a trade. Then he has, in fact, demanded a trade. It is, it is official now. And so 
what do the Rockets do from here? In an age of player empowerment where these players can demand trades and, and, and sit out and not play and get what they want, what do the Rockets do from here? Do they just simply give in and give him to the Nets? Do they take a better trade package elsewhere where Harden does not want to go? Because James Harden does not have a no-trade clause. You don't have to give James Harden to the Nets and, and deliver him to the Nets just because he wants to be. You can take the best package, which I struggle to think the best package is Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, Jared Allen, and a few first-round picks. Maybe it is because you don't have any leverage anymore because now you've let this string out to where Westbrook wants out officially, Harden wants out officially. The big thing to me is, how can this trade not happen now? How can you put the genie back in the bottle if you're anyone involved? If you're James Harden in, in Houston, how did this not spurn your relationship for, for good? If you're Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, how can you go into that Brooklyn locker room with the reports being that Kevin Durant has, has spearheaded what the package should be for James Harden? Kevin Durant has thrown the names out there of, of Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie. How can you go into that Brooklyn locker room and if this, is, if this does not go through, and on December 22nd say, oh yeah, we're all in this together, we're a family, I believe in you guys, we're going to play for each other, when you openly wanted to move those guys to Houston. I just don't understand how, how this trade, or any trade around James Harden, can't happen now, because you've kind of let this progress too far. This has all gotten out of hand. This has all gotten way too far. It just feels like it's too public now, to reverse course. And maybe it's possible. Maybe um, Spencer Dedwitty and Karis LeVert and Jared Allen would look at that and say, well, you know, I'm not James Harden, so I understand why I would be uh, one of the names thrown out there. I'm a valuable player. All of you are valuable players. And I'm not James Harden, though. So I can see where maybe they wouldn't take it as a negative. But it would be a bit odd, I think, to, to then be in that same locker with those guys. And then for James Harden, who already does not give effort defensively, who already does not give up, give effort off the ball, who already is not looked at as a great locker room guy, who already is looked at as a lazy player, who already has had accountability issues in Houston, well-documented account, accountability, accountability issues in Houston. For him, how do you even get remotely locked in for the Rockets now? How do those players even remotely trust you? How do those players even remotely like you? I mean, the first time that you loaf around or you're going to get in a big argument with Eric Gordon and he's going to say, you're just thinking about Brooklyn or something in the middle of the game. I mean, the same way that we saw that we saw Draymond Green and Kevin Durant fight in the middle of the game. Has this gotten too far and too far to hand for this trade not to happen? It's interesting, though. I, I want to see what happens with this. I would not be surprised if, you know, before the season we find out that James Harden is officially traded. And what would this mean for Oklahoma City? Well, I think that this would give you a decent look at what Harden, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook could have been. Because the basketball side of this trade would be, yeah, that's great. You have this amazing collection of talent, but they don't play a play style. Any of them don't play a play style conducive to all three of them working at the same time. Now, Kyrie has huge injury concerns. So, this is a heck of a backup plan in, in, in James Harden. But 
if they're all three on the court and they're all three healthy, how does this look? How do you get everyone their touches when you have Kyrie and, and James Harden who like to dribble the air out of the basketball? How do they get enough touches? I think that if this is a disaster with all three on the floor, then you can start to have the hypothetical conversation if you're just a sick basketball individual like myself of, okay, well, maybe this wouldn't have worked if you kept James Harden. Maybe in Oklahoma City, it couldn't have worked to have James Harden flourish into the MVP and flourish into a top 15 NBA player and flourish into all that he became if he couldn't work with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Those guys need their touches as well. We got to remember that James Harden was a six man of the year and he was a bench player for Oklahoma City. Played a great role for Oklahoma City. He was not James Harden yet. And he became James Harden with increased touches and a bigger role. Now, if you get that bigger role in Oklahoma City, can you still become James Harden? If he cannot play his game and he cannot play his play style in Brooklyn, then we'll see. The flip side of that coin is, well, Oklahoma City would never have allowed him, even in a bigger role, to be so ISO-dependent. But that's exactly what they did with Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook and Paul George. I mean... It was just your turn, my turn, up to four the entire way. Even George Mello and Russell Westbrook was just your turn, my turn, all the way up to four their entire time. So I think that it's going to be interesting to watch, especially for a Thunder perspective. And this is now Harden reuniting with a second former Thunder teammate, and they might sign Serge Ibaka, which would just be hilarious as well from a Thunder standpoint. So we still have a ton to get to on today's show. I want to dive into why the Bulls declining Chris Dunn's qualifying offer is a big deal for Oklahoma City. I want to dive into the rumors around Stephen Adams and talk about the Thunder's New Jersey all in this next segment. And then we'll cap off this show with a ton of NBA draft talk. But first, I want to tell you about our good friends over at Built Go. Built Go is phenomenal because trust me, I have already done four podcasts and it is Tuesday morning. So this is this week is just getting started for me with the draft coming up, free agency coming up, emergency podcast coming up. You never know what Sam Presti is going to do. Uh, and plus, you still have your normal routine of things to get done. So I could not make it through this week without Built Go. Built Go helps you break through your wall. Whether that is a mental or physical wall, break through with Go every single day. Built Go is a one and a half ounce package that you can put in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever. You can put it in your golf bag for the most amazing round of golf you ever see and to power through the back nine, or you can just put it in your pocket and help you get through the day. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's five hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus it is natural. So it's better for your body. It's like drinking a monster energy drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. They have three delicious flavors that you can try today. That is peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, chocolate mint. Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein. Collagen protein is fast absorbing and it gets into your system. Plus it is easy on your stomach. Pit Go is loaded with good stuff to ignite my work. Built Go then kicks into action and gets you going strong. Collagen protein promotes soft tissue, hair, skin, and joint health. This stuff literally makes you look better. So go to BuiltGo.com. Use promo code LOCKED and you're going to get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED. You're going to get 20% off your next order at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast. And being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? 
Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. And we are back on Locked on Thunder, the only daily podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. We've got a big week ahead of for you on the Lockdown Podcast Network, starting on Wednesday with the NBA Draft, because the NBA Draft is here, and we are going to have a live event as the Lockdown Podcast Network, a live stream during the draft with David Locke, Chad Ford, Jeremy Wu of Sports Illustrated, Brad Rowland of Lockdown Hawks and Dime.com, as well as our local experts breaking down their team's picks. So watch out for our live streams on Locked On Live on Twitch, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all of that fun stuff. Go over there and check it out. So I want to dive into this Bulls report that they're declining the qualifying offer, extending it to Chris Dunn. They are not going to extend it to Chris Dunn. And this is interesting for the Thunder because that the Bulls put out there that they want to search for a veteran point guard. And you know who has a veteran point guard? Oklahoma City. And could Ricky Rubio be an option for the Bulls? I think that he could be. I think that Ricky Rubio is not in a place where he has to be a starter. I don't think that he has that cachet to demand he's a starter. I'm sure that he would love to be a starter. But I don't think he has the cachet and I don't think he has the name value to demand that he's the starter. And again, he has no he has no, uh, no trade clause, so he doesn't really have a say in any of this. Uh, but if Billy Donovan wants to make a deal with his former team, you could get Ricky Rubio for a low, low price of just a, a draft asset, I would think. So that would be interesting to monitor as we move forward because, as you know, a lot of deals are made at the NBA draft. So the next headline is, the Oklahoma City Thunder are exploring trades with Steven Adams. Uh, duh? I'm not really sure how this became a report. I'm not really sure why anyone thought this was newsworthy. Of course they're exploring trades on Steven Adams. They should be. He's an expiring contract. He doesn't really fit the timeline as someone who can truly be an impact player once this team is ready to compete again. Still, you know, if this timeline goes perfectly and you're able to compete around 2023, Sure, he could be a nice little contributor, but not a starter, not not a high-level player for you anymore. He doesn't really fit your timeline. Of course, they're looking to move on from him. The question is, who wants him? Somebody has to want him for him to be traded. I, I think that the Thunder would not mind trading Stephen Adams by any means. They, they would not lose any sleep trading Stephen Adams. But the, the, the thing is, someone has to want him and make it worth it because the situation around Steven Adams is, yes, you are totally fine moving him, but he's on a big contract right now for one more year. You've already lost Chris Paul. You've lost Andre's contract. You have lost Gallinari's contract. You are under the tax even with Steven Adams. You're under that threshold even with Steven Adams. So you don't really desperately need to trade Steven Adams. And you will re-sign him next offseason if you want to keep him around for dirt 
cheap. He has no value on the open market. The NBA is phasing him out. The NBA has seen him struggle against Rudy Gobert, has seen him struggle against Portland, has seen him struggle against no center and against against Houston this past bubble season. So they've seen that he cannot stay on the stay on the floor in the postseason against three different styles of centers. They're not going to give him a huge contract. Nobody is. So you can re-sign Stephen Adams at a very cheap number next off season. So this trade talk around him this year becomes okay. Who wants him? And are you going to give up enough to make it worth it for us to lose a, a franchise staple and a fan favorite who can instill culture on the floor and off the floor? Because for the first time in the Thunder's existence in Oklahoma City, they're going to ask their fans to continue to support them as they do not make a postseason run, as they do not have postseason aspirations this year as it is not postseason or, or a failure season for them. They're going to ask their fans to do that for you know, two, three seasons, four seasons. And being able to harken back on the times of Stephen Adams and, and to look back and, and remember Stephen Adams and to have him a familiar face on the bench and on the floor would do a fan base good in a time like this. So that helps you from a business standpoint. And then again, on the floor... Everyone wants to go to war for Steven Adams. He's going to fight for his guys. He's going to be an enforcer for these young guys, not let these young guys get scared of the moment or get punked by an opposing team or any of that. So that will help a lot. He's a, he's a good culture guy, a good locker room guy, all that good stuff. So you're not going to give him away for pennies because you're going to re-sign him for pennies next offseason anyway. But someone has to want him for you to trade him. That's the big thing. I don't think that he gets traded, not because they're not looking. I think that they're looking to trade him, but you have to give the Thunder back something of note and who's going to do that for Steven Adams. We'll see. And I do want to talk about the new jerseys. I don't really like them. I see a lot of people in love with them. Uh, if you haven't seen them, they are just black base for the jersey and, and, and uh, shorts. They have the font that says just Oklahoma, not Oklahoma City, not anything but Oklahoma. Oklahoma on the, on the state flag font. That's supposed to be the state flag font. I don't see it. I don't think it looks like the state flag very much. Uh, I think that it looks like a cross between uh, a mixture of three different jerseys. I think it looks like a mixture of Oklahoma State, the Trailblazers uh, Oregon jerseys from this year, and the Clippers throwback jerseys, the orange one with a stripe across uh, across diagonally. I think that that's what it looks like. I don't like it. I think that it really looks like a NASCAR jacket, so I especially don't like it. I'm not sure what the players will think of this jersey. I don't really think that the Thunder care what the players think of this jersey, but I just don't like it to me. But I see a lot of people loving it, so that's good. I just don't think that this jersey looks all too good. I will say, it's not the worst one. The worst one is still that gray jersey the first year Nike took over, but it's still pretty bad. And transitioning into the NBA draft, we talked to more NBA draft prospects today, including Isaiah Stewart, Zeke, Nico Mannion, Vernon Carey Jr., Josh Green, Jaden McDaniels, and James Wiseman. So, of that list, everyone except for Josh Green and James Wiseman have spoken with the Thunder. For Josh Green, it's unclear if he did or not. Uh, he never answered the question about the Thunder. He was not asked the question about the Thunder. Uh, James Wiseman, same thing, but you can imagine that he did not talk to the Thunder just being where he slid in the draft and that there's no big rumors around him. Uh, but for Isaiah Stewart, for Jaden McDaniels, two names that people really love for Oklahoma City, they have spoken with OKC. Nico Mannion has, Zeke has, and 
So has Vernon Carey Jr. Uh, Vernon Carey Jr. is the only one who did not give a glowing report about the Thunder, but to be fair to him, he did not give a glowing report about anyone. Vernon Carey Jr. is a very reserved prospect, and and really, his all his answers were, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, sir, no, sir, to everyone that asked him questions. So I asked him, did you speak with the Thunder? He said, yes. Whenever I asked Isaiah Stewart, he talked about how great it was, and Jane McDaniels talked about how great it was, and how Jane McDaniels said it was unlike other interviews because they actually like took him on a tour of the facility, virtually on, on Zoom. They like walked around the facility with their camera facing outward. He said that that was kind of different, uh, alluding to the fact that not a lot of teams do that, which I thought was interesting. Uh, that the Thunder are trying to go above and beyond, even in these draft interviews, even in these weird circumstances. Uh, Zeke talked about how great it was. Nico says he thinks he can fit in very well in Oklahoma City. Uh, so those are guys that we talked to today. And all of them, for the most part, talk to Oklahoma City as well. So tomorrow, we will talk with uh, Pukovicki, Tyrell Terry, uh, Jemias Ramsey, and LaMelo Ball. I will be threading all their answers on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. Is that R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S? I'm hoping that uh, I can get called on in the LaMelo Ball one because I'm sure there'll be like 500 people there. But if I am called on, you can be assured I am asking LaMelo Ball if he has talked with the Oklahoma City Thunder because there's just something, there's something in the waters, I think. Again, no report, no sourcing, but I just have a feeling that that Sam Presti really does like LaMelo Ball. And those reports from, from ESPN and Draft Express were right. And that he really wants the mellow ball. And you certainly have the assets to go do that, getting two first-round picks the last two days. So I am excited for what LaMelo tells us at 1 p.m. Central Time today. And I cannot wait for Wednesday. So coming up, we're going to talk about the NBA draft. We're going to look at mock drafts from Sports Illustrated, at The Athletic, ESPN, all those national sites, and tell you who they have the Thunder selecting. And I'll give you my top 60 NBA draft prospects. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but really the first words you want to say are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And trust me, as someone named Jake, that is a fact. That's the phrase that will help you feel good knowing that you have people who can help you find the right coverage for the things you want to protect. Insurance doesn't need to be complicated with a State Farm agent. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits you because your situation is unique. And State Farm is there to help you feel supported with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. And when you need ways to get help, don't yell or be angry because State Farm gives you options there too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com or their award-winning app. State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We are back on Locked on Thunder, the only daily podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder. I am Rylan Styles. Follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. Is that R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S? So I want to dive into the mocked drafts. And so we start with Sports Illustrated, who have the Thunder taking at 25 and 28. I'm going to give you these picks in order, 25, then 28, uh, for all these sites. SI has the Thunder taking Jaden McDaniels, number 25, and Desmond Bain, 28. I would be stunned if Desmond Bain is at 28. A lot of these mock traps, I would be stunned if these guys were still there. Jaden McDaniels, a lot of people love him. I had one person at me on Twitter saying that Jaden McDaniels was going to be was going to be just like Kevin Durant and was going to be Kevin Durant 2.0. Okay. Okay, we'll see. CBS has the Thunder also taking Jade McDaniels and Poku. And now Poku at 28, 
I would love because the Thunder love him, and I would and I would say at that range, 25-28 would be where you can feel comfortable in this draft class swinging for the fences and, and and just seeing what happens. And then again, you still get Jaden McDaniels, who I think is a more safer prospect, and I think that Jaden McDaniels is going to be a role player in the NBA, whereas with Poku, I could see him being a, a great prospect where he is just amazing, and, and how, how did no one see this coming? How did another overseas player fall so far? He is so awesome. But I could also see a very, very, very high likelihood that Poco is an awful basketball player at the NBA level. So we will see with that. So I love him at 25, 28 range. I don't really love him a lot higher than that. Uh, but still, that's who CBS has. ESPN has Jaden McDaniels and Tyrell Terry, 25, 28. I, again, if Tyrell Terry is on the board at 28, something went horribly wrong. Horribly wrong. Some teams have, have whiffed on Tyrell Terry too many times, including the Thunder. If the Thunder have the option at 25 to take Tyrell Terry, and he and they do not, and they risk losing him, that is just atrocious. Tyrell Terry is one of the best players in this draft. That would be that would be criminal if he's at 28. Uh, the Athletic has Isaiah Stewart at 25 and Malachi Flynn at 28. I do not think Flynn is a first-round prospect and first-round talent, but we'll see. Bleacher Report has Zeke at 25. Again, I do not think he's a first-round talent. And Tyler Bay at 28. I don't really think Tyler Bay is a first-round talent either. Uh, Chad Ford of the Lockdown Podcast Network has Theo Maldon and Vernon Carey Jr. 25-28. I do not think that Vernon Carey Jr. is a first-round talent. I do think that Theo is. So let's dive into my big board. And if you have any questions about my big board, feel free on Twitter or email to uh, question it and ask why I have a certain player there or here, and we can discuss it tomorrow. But for today, I'm mainly just going to run through the names and not explain too, too much. But again, if you have questions, uh, at Rylan underscore Styles on Twitter, at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Or, if you don't have Twitter, email the show, LLThunderPod at gmail.com, and I will answer your questions for you. But the best player to me in this draft is Anyeka Nkongu. I think that he is going to be an awesome player. I think he's going to be just Bam bio, and he's going to be just amazing. I think that he has uh, the modern game you look for in a big man. I am all in. On Yeka. I am all in. Uh, and so, number two, I have him in the ball because I just think that there's enough talent there and he has that elite trait. And anytime you have an elite trait, it's going to get you ranked higher. And that elite trait is his playmaking with the fact of he can talk all he wants to right now about not wanting to change his jump shot. But if your jump shot's not working in the NBA and you have NBA coaches around you telling you to change your jump shot, you're going to do it. Lonzo. Also changed his jump shot after the same type of thing was around him in the pre-draft process. Number three, Anthony Edwards, but barely. He's barely ahead of number four for me. I think that just the possibility that he could be Dwayne Wade is is what gets you to three. And then four, Tyrell Terry. Tyrell Terry, I think, is one of the best prospects in this draft. He is all the way up to number four on my big board because in a draft like this, if I can guarantee you Seth Curry's career, and even better than Seth Curry, I'm taking that. I am taking that 10 times out of 10. I just think he's a lethal shooter, nice playmaker, can play on and off the ball, versatile offensively. Defense, a question mark. He's undersized. I get that. But I am in love with Tyrell Terry. He's one of my guys in this draft. Uh, Danny at five, Killian Hayes at six, Isaac Okoro at seven. He talked to us about improving his jump shot. So if he even has uh, remotely an in in average jump shot or an above average jump shot, but still, even just average, he becomes an incredible NBA player with how well he plays defense. Tyrese Halliburton at number eight. I still think that that's too low for Halliburton. I might, I would 
I would think that if the Knicks got him an eight or if someone in that range got him an eight or nine or ten, you feel like you got a steal for Hyla Burton. He's that good. Obi Toppin at nine. Love his offense. Let's see if he can lock in defensively at the NBA level. Uh, Devin Vassell at 10. James Wiseman at 11. Cole Anthony at 12. I think that Cole Anthony fell a bit too far in the pre-draft process uh, after a disappointing year at UNC. And a team at 12 could wind up with a steal in Cole Anthony. RJ Hampton, 13. Same thing. I think that these two guys were rated really high this time a year ago and disappointing seasons in a new environment really hurt them. Uh, Sadiq Bey at 14. He's going to be a lethal 3 and D player. And again, at 14 in this class, if I can guarantee you a contributor right away, he's going to be ready for the NBA. Villanova players are always ready to go right away in the NBA. And so I think Sadiq Bey is no different. And he's going to be mature. He's going to be a 3 and D guy and a contributor for, for a playoff team. That's great. Uh, and then I have Desmond Bain at 16. I think that Desmond Bain has a high, high ceiling, but a high floor as well. I think that Desmond Bain at worst is going to be you know, Joe Harris for you. And that's really good in this draft class. Number 16, I have Aaron Neesmith uh, behind Bain at, at 15. Patrick Williams falls all the way to, four, to 17 on my big board. I do not see Patrick Williams being the the top 10 pick that some do. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that, that a lot of you would disagree with that, but I think that Patrick Williams, I just don't see it with him, so I have him all the way down to 17. Uh, Tyrese Maxey at 18. Kyra Lewis Jr., same thing. I don't see the top 10 talent that it seems like NBA teams do in him. I have him at, I have him at 19. Precious at 20. Jade McDaniels at 21, uh, Isaiah Stewart 22, Pukovicki 23. We get into this range where uh, 23, the talent and the ceiling is so high that I'd rather take the swing and miss on him than I would take a solid enough NBA player like Jalen Smith at 24. I'd rather have the potential of getting a unicorn player who we've never seen before and is an elite all-star. So I'll take the risk at 23 for Pukovic. 24, I have Jaden Smith, Jalen Smith, 25, Nico Mannion. He has fallen on some's big on some big boards to the second round. I don't see that. When you have that special ability that he has, uh, you take him in the first round and you worry about the rest later. And then we have Robert Wood- Woodard, the second. He has risen up a lot of big boards. I think that he's right around 25 range, in my opinion. But he's an incredible athlete, so that might boost him up some come Wednesday. Josh Green, 27. Theo Maldon, 28. Devon Dotson, 29. Emmanuel Quickly, 30. So those are my first-round talents in this draft class. I think that Emmanuel Quickly is going to get taken like in the mid-second, but I have him graded out as a first-round pick. So if the Thunder, who have talked to him a couple times, uh, get lucky and can get him in the second round, that would be awesome because I think he's going to be a really, really, really good player. Devon Dotson, he's pretty high at 29 in my opinion. I think he'll go higher than that in the real draft because I just worry for him that, yes, he's a Energizer Bunny. He, he is an Energizer Bunny that can just run up and down the floor for days. He is so quick, so fast, so athletic, but he's not tall enough. He's not big enough to actually make a dent at the rim, in my opinion, in the NBA. And he has that bad habit of just leaping in the air for no reason, leaping in the air without knowing where he wants to go with the basketball, which results in turnovers even more so at the next level. So I have Devon Dotson there at 29 still, though, because this draft is just so interesting. I think that if he has improved his jump shot even a little bit, though, Dotson, he becomes a much better player. He needs a jump shot at the NBA level to become a good player. 31, Malachi Flynn. So he's barely uh, not a first-round talent for me, which the which the uh, mock drafts, one of them did have him going in the first round at 28 to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Number 32, this is my favorite second-round player. And again, if quickly falls, he becomes my favorite, obviously, because he's, he's picked 30. But... For who I have in the second round, this is my favorite second-round player, and that is Jordan Nuaro of Louisville. 
Isaiah Joe, 33. Jay Scrubs, Juco player at 34, who some think Portland might take in the first round. That would be so interesting at 34. Uh, 35, Leandro Balmaro, who has been rumored to Oklahoma City a few times in different mock drafts, but that has kind of cooled off a bit. Paul Reed, 36. Peyton Perchard, 37. Grant Ryler, 38. Zeke, 39. Jamarius Ramsey, 40. Tyler Bay, 41. Killian Tilly at 42. Tyshawn Alexander, 43. Elijah Hughes, 44. Trey Jones, 45. Yam Maudar, 46. Xavier Tillman, I think that he's going to be a steal at this range, 47. Vernon Carey Jr., 48. Did not prove a ton in college, but he does have just some raw ability, and he's transformed his body, losing some weight this offseason, and maybe just get him as a project. And if you have time and you have the space to allow him to grow, then it is very much worth a flyer pick in the second round. Number 49, I have Cassius Winston, 50. Cassius Stanley, 51. Yudoka Azabuki, Azabuki, I've watched every single play of his college career. Injury-prone guy, can't make a free throw, cannot make a shot from beyond the restricted area. I just am not in love with Yudoka Azabuki, but I think that teams will see his measurables and just fall in love with him. He does not have a very high motor. He's always needing breaks. I just don't know what it is with him, but I'm going to have him at 51 because at this point, why not take a shot on Yudoka Azabuki? Uh, Jordan Bowden of Tennessee at 52. Uh, Nick Richards at 53. Uh, Kenyon Martin Jr. at 54 could be a sneaky athlete to grab. I think that the Thunder should look at that, Kenyon Martin Jr. Uh, Skyler Mays, Sam Muriel, Reggie Perry, Mason Jones, Josh Hall, and then rounding it out at 60 overall for me is Daniel Aturu. And he's been higher on a lot of people's boards, but I have him at 60. So that is my top 60 players. So that way you'll know who I like and don't like in this upcoming NBA draft. But the content does not stop. We are not done here. This is a daily podcast. On Wednesday, we will talk about the best, the worst, and the most realistic case scenarios for the Oklahoma City Thunder on draft night later that night. And then when the draft starts, we start our live coverage on Locked On Live with Chad Ford, David Locke, Brad Rowland, as well as the local experts hopping on to break down their team picks. That's all Wednesday. Not to mention emergency podcasts between now and then that take place if there are any trades. And then on Thursday, we will have a podcast about the winners and losers from the NBA draft. I will break down every single selection the Thunder make and who they select and who I would have selected at that position and a lot more on Thursday. On Friday, we will have our free agency preview. It is just getting started this week on Lockdown Thunder, and this offseason has been amazing so far. We'll see how it ends. And remember, this offseason is unlike any other. I mean, we will wrap up free agency next week and then go right into training camp on December 1st and go right into the season after that. So fun. So you're going to want to subscribe to Lockdown Thunder, the only daily podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder. Follow me on Twitter for updates today throughout the day as we talk to NBA draft prospects, including Pokovicki at 11 a.m., who is rumored to have a promise from Oklahoma City that they will draft him. So 11 a.m. Central Time, you're going to want to head on over to Twitter and see what he has to say to us as the media. And then also at 1 p.m. Central Time, we're going to talk to LaMelo Ball, who is rumored to have the Thunder interested in trading up for him and wanting the first overall pick to draft LaMelo Ball. So a lot on the line today. We'll have our emergency podcast as needed, or we'll just do our standard schedule, which we just outlined a minute ago. Be sure now to head on over to Locked On NBA as we conclude the Locked On NBA mock draft. Listen to every single selection made in our mock draft. It was a lot of fun to put that together with all of our talented local experts. And you'll hear commentary from John Hollinger, former NBA executive. You'll hear commentary from uh, Chad Ford from 
Jeremy Wu of Sports Illustrated, from David Locke, and from Brad Rowland, and from Josh Lloyd, and from Jeremy Clean. A lot of voices there to help break down all of the action for the NBA draft. It's going to be so much fun as we get into this week. So subscribe wherever it is you get your podcast from. Be good and be good to one another. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.